Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome everyone to Worldview Wednesday. So happy to have you join us. Chelsea and I are back with some news headlines and how to think biblically about these cultural and societal topics. Absolutely. Kelly, I don't know about you, but I thought I used to read headlines thoroughly with a biblical lens before. But now that we're finding headlines to share for the podcast, I really find myself digging in and thinking even more deeply about these issues and stories and what scripture has to say about them. And I really hope our audience is feeling the same way. Yeah, I agree. I I now am really looking at them, every single one, and thinking, even mm-hmm. if it's political or if it's you know whatever it's about. Um, I do. It, it's 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 a fun little practice. I hope that you two are doing this as you read headlines. Um, and you know, I think to myself too, it's not just the prevalence of like the fake news that's out there that's concerning. It's also the lack of our ability or maybe even inability to think logically through these issues, recognize bad reasoning, and process them through the objective truth of Scripture. We just get almost so used to just taking this in as truth, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I feel like sometimes we want to be told what to think, and um, we're struggling really to to fight through how to think right now. But yes, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into, you want to go first today? Let's yeah. Hear yours. yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so cool. this headline comes from Wired. It was posted on August 25th, 2022, written by Ellen Walker. And the headline reads, nothing is protecting child influencers from exploitation. It goes on to read, parent-managed social media accounts are now more popular than ever in some cases even resulting in lucrative scholarship deals and income from advertising revenue. Anthropologist Crystal Abedin, I hope that's how we say her name, refers to these new wave of celebutants as micro-micro-celebrities, experiencing online stardom by virtue of their influencer mothers. Ren Eleanor, for instance, is a three-year-old TikTok star who boasts more than 17 million followers on her account managed by her mother, Jacqueline. So there's been a lot of stories about um, this little girl, this little three-year-old, a lot of um, sort of predatory, perverted comments being posted on some of her more explicit, like showing kind of videos. And there's there's been some controversy (laughs) about this. And I think this is why we're seeing this article come out um, about this. So it goes on to say, The apparent indifference of lawmakers towards children's right to privacy is odd, given how much adults fear their own confidentiality being compromised by data harvesting, security breaches of cloud storage, and terms of service, fine print, selling our souls to the algorithmic devil. Moreover, this article goes on to say, those of us who were introduced to social media during adulthood were still able to carve out our own online presence from scratch, whether it be as an anonymous lurker on Reddit or a brazen oversharer on Instagram. The next generation are not afforded this freedom of choice. They simply have to lie in utero and pray that the first thing they see upon exiting 
isn't the glare of a smartphone camera lens set up, set to an ear splitting shriek of don't forget to like and subscribe. Oh my gosh. That was such a such a powerful imagery <clears throat> that she uh, this um author wrote in this article. And then uh finally just to finish up some quotes from this article. She goes on to say, for centuries, advocacy for the rights of children has pushed for them to be recognized, that means the children, to be recognized in both law and community as individuals, deserving the same respect and understanding as the adults who protect them. To deny Mm -hmm. the inevitability that they will soon develop self-actualization and their own preferred boundaries is to deny their humanity. And there is no greater injustice than that. The best gift you can give your child is not a multitude of likes, followers, and comments wrapped up in a neat package of online validation, but to, but the freedom to carve out their own narrative. That last sentence, I'm just going to read it one more time. The best gift you can give your child is not a multitude of likes, followers, and comments wrapped up in a neat package of online validation but to give your kids the freedom to carve out their own narrative. So I read this and honestly, this disturbing trend has really been on our radar for quite some time. Chelsea, I know you and I have had a lot of deep, long conversations about what it looks like when children become teenagers and then become young adults. And maybe they don't approve of everything their parents have said and posted about them online. Yet mm-hmm. it's out there. Yep. And if you happen to know us personally, I know our maybe our parents and some close friends may be the only ones who listen to this podcast. <laughs> but our husbands. <laughs> but two listeners. <laughs> my mom told me she listens. So hi mom. Um so, <laughs> so if you if you know us personally, you know that Chelsea nor I really post anything about our children on Facebook. I have a little bit in the past, but I was really convicted mm-hmm. about this exact type of topic of, and I used to blog um, a long time ago and yeah. felt really convicted that I was creating my kids' narrative for them. And yep. that was not fair. And I took it all down, took it all off and never looked back. <clears throat> yep. So... I, this is no judgment against you if you post pictures of your kids online. This Not at all. Because I feel like there is a very distinct difference between posting pictures of your kids for friends and family to see and to be updated mm-hmm. about, their, about their lives on your private account than what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. which is creating content where your, your child is the star of the narrative in order to put out there, gain a massive following, um, even like brand merchandise based on your child's life in order to make money. I mean, the, the idea of just having merch on your, based on your child, your toddler, mm-hmm. your three-year-old's like daily <clears throat> life, that that's yeah. really, I think, pushes that boundary a little bit. So anyway, so there's no judgment there. If you do post online, we just personally felt like that just wasn't, especially it was we have kids from um, who've been adopted out of foster care. And so yeah. that brings in a whole different um, situation. Issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For mm-hmm. us. Um, so when we think mm-hmm. about this biblically, and a little bit, you know, I, I struggled a little bit, um, but I think it really goes back to the heart of the parent. What is the intent of the parent's heart or our heart 
you know, if we're considering doing this, because mm-hmm. looking at this from the outside, it does seem like exploitation. It seems like you are exploiting your child's everyday toddler life in order to amass a following and make money. It mm-hmm. seems like you're finding fame <clears throat> vicariously through offspring, through your offspring. It seems like there could really be some serious tension later in life when your child grows up and realizes everything that they did as a child. I mean, it's almost like Truman Show. I can't not help think of that movie when you mm-hmm. realize, oh my gosh, everything <laughs> has been scripted. You know, my whole life is right there for everybody has been watching me all this time. So again, I think it's the, the heart of it. And you know, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, our goal should never be fame because we have not created, we are not designed to be able to handle fame and all the pressure that that entails, right? We've talked about this mm-hmm. before. This is why so many famous people have drug and substance abuse problems. This would never be something we should desire for our children. Right. You know, I think right. of um, Ephesians 6, 4, our responsibility as parents is to bring our children up in the training and instruction <laughs> of the Lord. And here, mm-hmm. just because we have a situation where, yes, the Bible does not talk about social media, um, but we are definitely called to protect children, to disciple them, to raise them well. Now, if you're not a Christian, we can't really expect you, know, you to, <laughs> to follow that sort of godly um, instruction and mandate, but we, we are. And so therefore, this should be something that we should deeply consider before um, marketing our child's as content. I absolutely agree. I, <clears throat> I, this was hard for me too. Because I'm gonna guess that like this sweet little three year old doesn't she you know you she doesn't she is not realized first of all she's not cognizant of the very very real dangers that her parents are putting her in. Um, I think maybe down the road when she's a teenager, you know that realization could come back or that realization mm-hmm. might hit home might hit home you know and she might be really upset with her parents when she's like I can't I can't believe you endangered me like that you know. Um, and I think there's, we have to forget, you know, we're leaving these digital footprints, this, this, you know, trail of, of history and, and everything is there. Everything is there. I just, you know, I know one of the things that we've always talked about is like when these kids who become adults go to, you know, get jobs or whatnot. And they're like, well, you know, we saw your potty trading photos online when we did a social media search of you because <laughs> Dude, that was jobs so embarrassing. It's like so embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, jobs. I mean, even the military is looking at social media accounts before they allow people to come into the military. But yeah, I um, I looked at Ephesians six because I know where you're talking about, and um, in this part of the book or in this part of the letter to the Ephesian church, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he's writing to them uh, under this is the kind of like prescriptive part of the letter. You know, he's he's given them all of the the background and now he's giving them the commands, but he's specifically looking at relationships and he uses a multi like multitude of different kinds of relationships that Christians engage themselves in. So I know, you know, he's like, you know, children obey your parents. So I kind of wanted to look into this a little bit more with a commentary because I would never ever tell a child who didn't like what their parents were doing, creating content off of them to be a doormat or to to um to submit to this because mm-hmm. there's some serious privacy concerns um there are uh, 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 maybe some neglect of the, how the child feels but I, I i wanted to read more about this because this isn't this isn't like a blanket like 
submit and obey to all things, no matter yeah, what your parents and mm-hmm. how. Yeah, exactly. So he jumped into the expositor's commentary, and um, this is what the commentator had to say on Ephesians 6, specifically looking at the parent-child relationship. He says, the parent-child relationship is not one-sided. It is a feature of Paul's treatment of these domestic categories that the stronger have obligations to the weaker. The gospel introduced a fresh element into parental responsibility by insisting that the feelings of the child must be taken into consideration. In a society where the father's authority was absolute, this represented a revolutionary concept. And I'm just going to pause mm-hmm. right there because so many times in the Bible, when we hear the word submission, whether it be to the parent-child relationship, whether it be to the husband-wife relationship, we're like, oh, it's patriarchy. You know, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's oppressive. It's blah, blah. No, 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 no. You don't understand. God's heart has always been concerned for the most vulnerable people groups. We see that back in the Old yeah. Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Um, but I'll go on. He says, uh, the commentator says, Paul addresses fathers as being heads of their families. Above all else, he warns fathers against goading their children into a state of perpetual resentment. So I I just want to pause there into a perpetual state of resentment. Mm. So parent, if you're creating content of your children that they might not appreciate or enjoy when they get older, is that going to put them into a state of perpetual resentment? I resent my parents for doing what they did to me. I cannot wow. believe they broke my trust. My they, they 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 you know there was a privacy issue. They put me in serious danger. And the thing with this young girl, this Ren, but Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong. On TikTok, people can save or download the videos. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what happened was with Ren, you know, her mom's posting all of this con- this content, and some of like the cute, funny videos of her playing and stuff got downloaded. But then the really nasty, what like the really questionable ones like of her like in the bathtub or something like that i can't remember those ones somehow she was in a compromising pose or something i don't remember is that what it was okay what i had read yeah got downloaded more like two or three times more than like the cute little funny ones because there are men and women on tiktok that are disgusting also all social media uh, platforms uh, this is something that i've been talking about on youtube um, yeah. there was a huge trend of children doing gymnastics and, um, predators marking the, the very second, like of, oh, you need to, you know, watch the video at this very second of the video. And this is when she's in their most compromising pose. They would put these comments on there and there's people from all over the world. I mean, these are not just like American oh predators, these, you know, and so um, this was a, right. there was an article that was uh, talked about YouTube videos. I mean, these are kids who are just like, oh look, I you know can do a, you know, splits into a handstand. You know, these are talented kids mm-hmm. who are working on their mm-hmm. skills, but it's made mm-hmm. in a video and it's taken completely out of context by creeps. Mm. Wow, wow, oh, it's so heartbreaking. I'm just gonna finish this up real quick with this commentary. He says, "Children are a heritage from the Lord. They are to be reared for Him." him Mm -hmm. for god not for social media not for tiktok not for instagram whatever not for your fame not for anyone but for god alone um that the very last thing he quotes calvin in this the commentator does he just calvin says let them be fondly cherished um and i think that's what it goes back to no matter what however we look at this children are not being cherished they're not being cherished for the image bearers they are their their value and dignity worth just being an image bearer they're 
they're being manipulated, coerced, and used for what they can bring in for their family. Um, I absolutely think you're right. It goes back to the heart of the parent. They're probably worshiping that, you know, the heart of the parent is probably worshiping like recognition or attention more than God. Um, because if God were aligned properly in their hearts, I don't think children would suffer as they do in these mm-hmm. situations. But I am I'm really appreciative that you brought this article up. Um, because we have I knew you and I have had multiple since brief parenting started, I've had multiple conversations about this. Um, I know that I've stopped posting pictures of my kids. I use a photo stream instead so that I can still share pictures with the family because we all have iPhones and we can do that. But um, I, yeah, I, I, child privacy is going to become a, I think a really big issue in the next coming years, like really big issue. Yeah. And I'm going to go off, off our script a little bit because um, I just actually, I subscribe to several different organizations who promote legislature to protect kids and online safety and whatnot. I actually just received an email this morning and I was reading about it. And so on July 27th, the Senate Commerce Committee voted to advance the Kids Online Safety Act. So they're calling this the COSA, K-O-S-A, and the Children and Teens Online Privacy Protection Act, which is COPA 2.0. So the COPA was originally approved in uh, 1998. And that's what allows social media platforms um, to, you can have accounts at the age of 13. They consider 13 to be the age that you no longer really, you can choose your own privacy, make those decisions. That's crazy to me. Has anyone I, met a 13 year old that I, was on this? But I mean, there, come on now. There, there are people <laughs> there. They are now pushing to make that COPA to be um, age 16. Think, I mean, I mean, that's good. I think it should be a little bit higher, but no, that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And so one of the things that um, this bill um, includes is creating an eraser button. And I'm reading this straight off my email right now. Um, a quote eraser button to make it easier for parents and teens to delete a minor's information from a website or app. So that's one of the things. And um, hmm. so, yeah, so you can check into that, write your senator if that's something you can do and help push this through because I think that that um, it's very much needed. Um, I really think that's something schools could get behind mm-hmm. like because everyone's using Google Classroom. All the kids are online and we know that so many of them are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, amen. That's and a, they're on the computer. No, that's another headline. <laughs> yeah, that's another. <laughs> or another day. That's another. Okay. That's another podcast. <laughs> All sorry. Right. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to okay. share that a little off script. But all right, let's go ahead and uh, hit the second headline from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why Danielle Bergoli, a.k.a. Bad Baby, is launching a scholarship fund for trade schools. Danielle Bergoli, a.k.a. Bad Baby, was first known to the world for her viral appearance on the Dr. Phil show in 2016. Since then, however, she has taken to she has taken her Internet fame and used it as a launch pad for a successful music and business career. In 2017, she became the youngest female rapper to chart the Billboard Hot 100 and upon her 18th birthday, launched an OnlyFans account. Bergoli's non-traditional pathway to financial security and success on her own terms has also inspired her to help others and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, has also inspired her to help others forge their own path, which is why she has partnered with Ed- EduCapital Foundation to create the Bad Scholarship Award. The $1.7 million scholarship will help a 1,000 students enroll in technical and trade schools nationwide. 
those awarded the BAD scholarship have the opportunity to pursue careers in various trades ranging from cosmetology to cybersecurity to the business of cannabis. So full disclosure, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so many thoughts. I had, I did not know who this bad baby was and Kelly reminded me before we got on the phone, but she's the catch you outside from the Dr. Phil show. That was kind of like a meme many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I, I looked at some of these articles, both of mine today, I looked at these articles from the perspective of my kids. Like if I were a kid, see, I would want to push back on my parents because I was very rebellious and OnlyFans is like a whole podcast in itself. But anyways, um, I would say, see, you know, OnlyFans isn't so bad, like you always say. Um, you know, obviously some good is coming out of it, right? She's giving all this money to um a scholarship fund. And and it, this article is also clickbait for me because my husband and I are huge proponents of trade schools. We we encourage our kids to seek out trade schools for a few years and and then maybe go to university if that's what they decide to do. Um, and there's multiple reasons behind that, but I won't get into that right now. Um, so yeah, I saw, hey, a celeb is advocating for a trade school, click. And then I learned that she's earned all of her money through OnlyFans content. Now, Kelly, you and I have talked extensively about OnlyFans. I think we have a podcast on pornography coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> <laughs> on mom. the docket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I couldn't help thinking if some kid read this article that it could one encourage them to believe that OnlyFans isn't as is isn't as insidious as insidious, excuse me, as mom and dad make it out to be, or two, it could encourage encourage girls to find their empowerment. So mm-hmm. the question we have to do is how do we look at this biblically, right? Because this would be this for some kids, this would be like a really great article for them to read. Um I mean, this young this young woman. She's an incredibly popular rapper. She's an pop. Um, she's incredibly popular as a rap artist, and now I suspect she's probably incredibly popular with her OnlyFans content. Um, which means our kids, one way or another, are going to find out about this, mm-hmm. right? This is this is a topic they are probably reading. Can I? I'm going to jump in for the parent who yeah. does not know what OnlyFans is. OnlyFans is. Yeah, don't Google it. We're going to tell you. Please don't Google it. <laughs> it, it is um, legalized, what I would call media prostitution. It's yeah. digital prostitution. And um, as long as you're 18, you can create an account and you sell yourself. So people can either yeah. pay for pictures of you. They can pay for video chats, um, videos, you name it. But they're paying for you and your sexualized content. And so they're yep. your they're your quote only fans. Yeah, I know. Can we like we need a cricket <sighs> sound? Like I just <sighs> Ryan put okay. a, put a cricket sound into this when you do the editing. I know. <laughs> okay, sorry. So that's only fans. Okay. So that's yeah. when we talk about why she did this at eighteen. Of course, because that's when it's legal, and this is how she's making money is by selling herself. Right. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I cannot think of any situation where engaging in sexual sin is okay. That's the Bible, how the Bible informs my opinion on sexuality and um, sexual um, engagement, even if it does by scholarship, even if it does, you know, I, I, there's, there's just no way that I can advocate or mm-hmm. say that engaging in sexual sin is okay. 
And I'll admit, you know, and as parents, if you talk with us about your kids, yeah, she is using it kind of for others, which our kids could rightly point out if they wanted to push back. But the command to flee sexual immorality over and over and over again in the New Testament cannot be ignored. And I have to, I have to point it out that the command to flee, it literally is written in the Greek as a present tense continuous command. It is an ongoing command from believers in the, you know, back in the day when they were reading it, as it would be for us when we read it, as it will be for our kids when they read it. Um, and yes, she is using it to help specific individuals who would benefit from her scholarship. But here's the question. How many men and women has she ensnared with her OnlyFans content? How many men and women are being held captive to the sin that ensnares them, that is destroying them by abusing their bodies with pornography? Again, I'm going to say it. For every one person she helps, how many are being destroyed? Secondly, this young woman is an image bearer of God. She has intrinsic dignity, value, and worth as an image bearer. And that image, that body that God knit together in her mother's womb, the body and personhood that he knows personally is being taken into bedrooms or wherever is being filmed and taken pictures of for CD gratification. Now, how is that? Is that how an image bearer should be treated? That's not empowerment. Mm -hmm. That's degrading to her. Because she is worth so much more than what she is engaging in. Yeah. Kel, your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. That if you've not, if you don't know who Bad Baby is, and when I say, okay, like Bad Baby, if you don't know, it's B-H-A-D. So when she calls the scholarship the Bad Scholarship, that's the B-H-A-D scholarship. It's just it's kind of a bad idea. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible pun. That was not written in the script. Um, okay, so her footage from the Dr. Phil show blew my mind. Like, I remember thinking, who is this person? This is crazy. Yeah. And then when she became, you know, so famous and hit, you know, broke this record, you know, making the billboard charts at young age, I thought, wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, and when I think of that show, of her, I almost said performance, but I really don't know. Was she acting? Was it real? I have no idea of what was on the Dr. Phil show. But I think of Luke 645, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. She was so verbally abusive, so self-righteous that I struggle to see the same person of who she was then acting selflessly. No, granted. Mm -hmm. She could have massively matured in her years since Dr. Phil, but honestly, just forthright, I just, it makes me wonder if this is like a PR um, or a marketing manager doing this in her name in order to get her name out in a positive light in the media and in the news, um, right. whether it be to, or, you know, prep, you know, consumers for her new album or whatever that is. So part of me right. does wonder, you know, and this is, we do need to wonder this. This is critical thinking. This is you know, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what is behind this money drives a lot of things. And even though you might be giving it away, um, she's also making lots of it. So we also, right. we have to really consider that. Um, but considering the heart, um, this brings us to that only fans yeah. of what it really is. Yeah. Um, now we can probably just assume that she's probably not a believer. I'm not, I really, I have no way of knowing. I only know what she puts out 
mm-hmm. um, for the world to see, whether that be her music, um, videos, uh, publicity, whatever. And again, we can't expect someone who is not saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ to act any differently. But personally, as a Christ follower, and as someone who is raising, discipling my kids, I'm not going to support or I'm not going to even accept scholarship money from mm-hmm. money that has been made from this sort of um, exploitation, if you will. I would, rather, I would rather work more, sacrifice more, um, take a loan if I had to, you know, to pay for my children's trade school before I accepted money that was made from either vulgar rap music, which is what I would personally say. That's just my feeling. These are just, <laughs> just my thoughts. Yeah. Um, and exploitation, you know, of her, of her human soul. Like you said, mm-hmm. she's worth so much more and the dignity. I would never uh, support that. So that's immediately um, how I feel. Now, and I don't want to be like a hater or a downer because this is kind of like a positive story. A celebrity is giving money for other people to go to trade school. It's a gr- that is a great thing. Trade school is a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I can really only analyze the story based on the character of this this woman who's been displayed through media, which hasn't been great. And yeah, um, like you said, if kids kind of want to push back, saying OnlyFans is not so bad because I can give money to scholarships. Let's just be real. Mm-hmm. That's that's just not mm-hmm. what most people are doing. And so there probably is a mm-hmm. um, public relations person behind this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's my thought. But that's. Yeah, I liked I liked that article. I had not seen that, so I'm glad you brought that up. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and launch into the third headline, mm-hmm. which is, uh, this was posted on Bloomberg Law on August 25th, 2022, and that's Instagram introduces kids' safety measures after Congress pressure. You can kind of tell where my mind goes to when I read these headlines. I, I, I'm obviously mm-hmm. choosing a lot of things about kids' safety online. That my heart just naturally goes there. Okay. So this article goes on to say that Meta, you know, which of course is Facebook, Instagram, and that whole conglomerate, Meta platform incorporates, incorporated. Instagram will be automatically routing new users younger than 16 to a version of the social media platform that blocks inappropriate content. Right? Let's clap. That's great. This sounds wonderful. I like- I like, I want to clap, but I'm like, keep reading. I know there's more to this. Like, come on now. Yeah. Okay. So I read this and I'm like, what? Uh, The company's latest feature comes as lawmakers have gotten more vocal about protecting children online. As I mentioned earlier, we know this is a big thing going on right now. New underage Instagram users will be defaulted to the quote less version of the platform, which blocks now. Listen very closely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The less less version of the platform blocks sexual, graphic, and violent content that doesn't otherwise violate community guidelines, but is considered inappropriate for minors. So (laughs) Instagram (laughs) Instagram is saying, hey, there's all this sexual, graphic, and violent content that's not appropriate for minors, but it is okay for anyone over 16. Is not Y'all, what did they're we saying. write a book? Is there a book out on this? Why <laughs> kids should not be on? I okay. feel like uh, I feel like there is. I think I might have wrote that. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, this article goes on to say that that these uh, younger users still maintain the option 
to select the standard version of the platform. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> so even though they're going to be automatically directed to the less version, they can choose the standard version. <laughs> now they say, quote, <laughs> this is an exercise to empower teenagers. And it's constantly iterating. If we don't see great adoption, we can change how this works. End quote. Said Jean Jean, I'm not sure, Moran, policy communications manager at Meta. Okay. I don't I don't want to empower my teenagers. Can I just for a hot second <laughs> I mean just drop that? Like, we probably need to define what the word empower means. I mean, because that term is just being so blown out. But before before we get there, so <laughs> let me first say what I love. What I love about this headline about Instagram is they are highlighting the fact and that they've recognized the fact that social media use under the age of 16 is not best for these adolescents. Now, Brave Parenting has stood on this premise, uh, you know, for years that social media should not begin until 16 years old. A 13-year-old simply does not have the same maturity, self-awareness, self-actualization that a 16-year-old does. We trust 16-year-olds to drive, to hold jobs in society. There is a gigantic difference. So first off, I love the fact that Instagram is moving in the right direction here. I think they probably read my book. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I feel like if that had happened, we would be like, you know, we wouldn't be a garage band, but that's okay. <laughs> that's probably true. So, however, okay. So the nuances... Um, of this new feature makes me want to bang my head against the wall. I mean, like, are you kidding me? First of all, I know. That's, yeah, it's like that's the, exactly whole, how I feel. the whole feature is all smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's just an illusion that they care. They're just literally yeah. saying, hey, teens still have the option to choose the standard Instagram. Like, could you call it anything worse? You're calling it less. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> there could not right. possibly be a worse term to call this that would make kids between 13 and 16 want to choose this. They're not going to choose this. Right, right, <laughs> I mean, right, many 13-year-olds right. already think themselves as older and more mature and able to handle everything in the world, um, right? But if, <laughs> if you look at the rates of depression, anxiety, suicides, they cannot handle the unfiltered and unfettered content. I mean, they just can't, right? So they're calling it an opportunity for teenage empowerment, but we all know that without this new less Instagram, you know, every teen and adult, we all have this same opportunity for self-empowerment. We can all delete mm -hmm. the app or not open it or, you know, cancel our account or whatever. I and mean, we all have that self-empowerment already. And is anybody doing it? No, mm -mm. no one's acting mm -mm. on it. No, no teenager mm -mm. is already unless, unless they, they have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because I yeah. have some teenagers that I work with and um, I lead yep. a, a high school small group with um, our youth ministry at our church. And I have some high schoolers who very clearly have the indwelling Holy Spirit and are making these exact type of choices and, mm -hmm. and are saying, you know what? I just don't, I don't want this app. I don't, you know, I even took my, I took a two week break from my phone. I mean, amazing things. But that happens with the indwelling Holy Spirit. No other person is going to make these choices. I'm sorry. Like mm -hmm. your algorithm and everything in there is just way too addictive. I'm just going to keep mm -hmm. scrolling. So mm -hmm. when we look at this through the objective lens of scripture, you know, I think of, uh, again, I, I go back to this all the time. 
Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Yep. It's as if Congress and these giant, you know, platform companies themselves know, they know that their, their apps are not healthy and beneficial for young teens. All things are permissible, but are they beneficial? Well, they know they're not, but no one is, is, is willing to nail it down because it will cost them financially if they truly admit, hey, this isn't, this isn't beneficial. There's money behind this. There's always that driving force. So I can't help um, but also read their words about um, the sexual, graphic, and violent content that, of course, you know, doesn't violate their standards, but it's inappropriate for minors. Y'all, I, re- <laughs> I refute the fact that they're saying that this is only inappropriate for minors. I think it's inappropriate Absolutely. for everyone. I mean, Colossians 3 tells us to set our hearts on things above, not on earthly things. We are to put to death, it says, uh, to put to death sexual immorality, as seen on Instagram, impurity, also seen on Instagram, lust, evil desires, greed, Instagram, 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 <laughs> right? I mean, I like he, he yeah. literally, Paul, you know, puts this all out there. He even goes on to say, rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language all of which are so prevalent on social media platforms. So we cannot yep. expect the average 13-year-old to choose on their own accord without the indwelling Holy Spirit to rid themselves of this. They're not going to choose less. They're not going to choose the mm-hmm. less version. They're going to choose the standard version. So while they want to look like they're being, you know, caring about kids and admirable in that regard that they've come up with this new less version is a joke. It is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a 100% joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you got anything else to say about that one? <laughs> I don't, man. I, You know what? You just, I mean, you nailed it all in the head. I, you know, uh, I mean, I just, uh. <laughs> You can't <laughs> oh, even get the words out. <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, don't be fleshly. Don't be fleshly. I know. Like, I know. That's what I'm thinking. But the damage has already been done. Like, that's what, like, that's what we're, I think, you know, what kid is going to choose the less? You're absolutely right. But what kid is going to, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, what kid is going to walk away from pornographic images willingly if, if they're already hooked on them? Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like the damage has been done. The addiction is there. The hook has been made. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it, it infuriates me that this type of article comes out because they knew. It's not that they know now, it's that they knew then. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, we've been sitting on this, saying, come on, guys, like, we, we got to get our kids off of this. There are so many loopholes to the parent controls that you're, you know, you think you're putting on your phone because, hey, did you know that you get to pornographic websites through Instagram? But apparently your kids need Instagram to be social and have friends. And do, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like... Uh, and it also it, goes back to the it. fact that we've known and we've talked about these, um, the leaders of these organizations don't allow their kids to be on the stuff that they create. Yes. That should be saying yes. something to us. That should be, be like, they don't care about everybody else's children. They don't Amen. Care. They don't. Okay. They really don't. They could care less about your kids. That's the truth. They don't, they don't care. But you know what? It goes back to parents. We have got to start doing the hard and the very brave work of saying, no, and brave parenting has one. Maybe we need to make some stickers. I don't know. Maybe we need some but merch. We say, 
We need some merch, man. Let's get some merch up on here. No, we need, we, we are not going to be social until 16. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is what we're saying. No, you will not. I'm sorry. You will no not social be media. social. No social media. You will not be social. So you are 16 years old. And even then, as I get older, the kids get younger. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe 16 is still too young. I, you might not be social till you're 30. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's oh bring gosh. on, we could digress on that forever. Okay, I let's know. bring on the next okay. article. Article. The next article is from NPR. Okay, why, what is quiet quitting and how it may be a misnomer for setting boundaries at work? Closing your laptop at 5 p.m., doing only your assigned tasks, spending more time with family. Those are just some of the common examples used to define the latest workplace trend of quiet quitting. Some experts say it's a misnomer and should really be defined as carving out time to take care of yourself. Ed Zitron, who runs a media consulting business for tech startups and publishes the labor-focused newsletter, Where's Your Ed At?, believes the term stems from companies exploiting their employees' labor and how these businesses benefit from a culture of overwork without additional compensation. Quote, if you want people to go above and beyond, compensate them for it. Give them $200. Pay them for extra work. End quote, Zitron told NPR over email. He also goes on to say, show them the direct path from I am going above and beyond to I am being rewarded for doing so. A TikTok video on quiet quitting was posted in July. Um, I don't, is it, is it called a handle, Kelly? Is that what they are? No, that's on Instagram. But anyways, a TikTok video by this person was posted in July. It's all letters, y'all. It doesn't really make any much sense. Went viral. Many TikTok users shared their own experiences in response with hashtag quiet quitting, gaining 8.2 million views on the platform as of 4 p.m. on Thursday. Now, this article was posted last week, August 19th. So it is already gaining a ton of views. Quiet quitting doesn't actually involve quitting. Instead, it has been deemed a response to the hustle culture and burnout. Employees are quote-unquote quitting or going above and beyond. They're quitting going above and beyond and declining to do the tasks that they are not being paid for. So I looked at this article through the lens of scripture, but I also looked at it through the lens of, well, if my kids were working right now, like during this kind of like time of quiet quitting, those would, I mean, 8.2 million views, right? This is going to be popular either among their peers when they work or, um, so how would I handle this if I were a parent? And honestly, right now it, it feels odd for me to comment on this because I am a stay at home mom and I don't have a, I don't really have skin, skin in the game, if you could say. Um, <clears throat> but I did think about stewardship and the order of worship mm-hmm. and what I would say to my kids if they were experiencing burnout or my husband because he works incredibly hard. And my first concern would be if work was a prior, if work as a priority had become more important than God, that would be my first concern because it's really, really easy to do. We have hearts that are designed to worship. And sometimes we can take a good thing like a job and make it an ultimate thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and generally I, this is kind of like the criteria I look at if I'm talking with someone and, you know, maybe there's an idol going on. Um, if your thoughts and all of your emotions are focused on this one thing. And as Christians, we know that we're not supposed to have anything else above God in our lives, but it does happen. And yes, we can absolutely develop physical symptoms from idol worship, exhaustion, anxiety, headaches, 
eat sleep deprivation, maybe mm. even stomach issues, right? There are some, yeah. there are complications from this because we're at this altar of our job, putting all of this energy and effort, hoping that it'll give us what we want, hoping that it'll give us maybe a promotion, accolades, identity, but it's an idol and it's literally idle. It cannot move and it cannot do anything because it's man-made. So yes, we are going to experience burnout. But and, and maybe that's where this trend is coming from. Maybe some people are now just realizing that the job isn't worth as much as the devotion as they originally thought. But big but on the other hand, I would also say <clears throat> that our jobs are blessings from God. And we are called to steward those blessings well. That means showing up on time, respecting the people God has placed over you as a boss, being kind and gracious to coworkers, communicating well, resolving workplace confrontations with grace, et cetera. So we've got this kind of like burnout culture where probably too much effort, too much hustle was being put into the job, to the altar of the job or at the altar of the job. And then on the other hand, for Christians, we've also got the stewardship. So it's a fine balance between the two, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the last little point I want to bring to everyone's attention is it's really interesting that this trend started on TikTok and the ability that this very small video has had to persuade people into a movement is shocking and unsettling. Yeah. Kelly, I I mean... (laughs) So when you shared this, I thought, oh, good, because I have been seeing, as I look for my headlines and, and different news, I actually probably read new, more news headlines since we started doing this than ever before. And I normally I just don't care about the news. <laughs> but uh, I had seen so much about this quiet quitting, but I just kept ignoring it because I, I don't know, I just did. So I'm glad that you brought this up. So mm-hmm. as someone who has worked the same job career for over 20 years. Um, I feel, and I'm just going to say like, this is my feeling and I don't always trust my feelings, but my immediate feeling is this is a cop out for just wanting to do the bare minimum. I thought that too. I just wanted to be more gracious. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I'm in the workplace and my job. So, you know, I obviously have a professional degree and so I'm a salaried employee, but I work with hourly employees without college degrees. Um, a lot of times they're uh, young people who are in college, um, but sometimes they're not. They're making it a career of being a pharmacy technician or whatever. And of course, I work in a grocery store, so there's an immense amount of employees out on the floor. So, so to me, I see that there's a, just a different dynamic in, in how people work. And I've seen it. I've been <laughs> in multiple cities. I've, just, I've worked in all kinds of different stores. And so this, there's, there is a trend of not wanting to go above and beyond and feeling like you need to be paid more. And we can see mm-hmm. that the, the minimum wage that people are paying is so high now. So you have young people since COVID and since these lockdowns, and now every business seems to be hungry for employees and willing to pay more, that employees almost have a little bit of the, the power control where they can mm-hmm. almost demand more. And I, li- mm-hmm. I will literally hear the exact statement of, they want me to do that? Well, they better pay me more. And even if you are offered more money, they still don't want to do the bare minimum. They want to do, only do the bare minimum. Anything that takes more, even though you're getting paid to maybe learn this new task, 
they still don't want to do. It's very interesting. So I, I see this firsthand. And I also think, you know, that article mentioned, oh, give them $200, blah, 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 blah. When I first started this new job with this new grocery chain, this grocery chain in Texas is amazing. And everybody knows that they're amazing. And two weeks after I started, they handed every single employee $200 cash, like literally two $100 mm-hmm. bills as a thank you for everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I, I just started. <laughs> and they're like, oh, so it doesn't matter. You still get it. And every, every single employee, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of employees. And I still hear people not want to do above and beyond. Mm-hmm. They still just want to do the bare minimum. So I immediately thought, oh, I've experienced this exact thing and it still doesn't work. So those, that's my personal feelings about it. But okay. um, as someone who does work 40 hours a week out in you know, the world, I immediately go to, because this has always been my, my heart and passion, is Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Yep. Since yep. you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So now... If you take this in context, Paul is talking not about like works-based righteousness, like if you do good, God's going to reward you. That's not at all what he's saying. He's talking in the context of telling servants or slaves to obey their masters and do everything in sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. And of course, when we say slaves, we're not talking about, you know, people being whipped and and beaten to do their work. These are Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. um, were hard on like indentured servanthood yeah yeah, they chose to do this in order to provide for themselves and it was a seven-year commitment yep um he is defining how relationships should be when someone has sort of a employee-based authority over another and this easily relates to the master and servant to the boss and the employee and so unless i believe unless your boss or your your company is asking you to really compromise your values beliefs or virtues you know, doing something that you just would really feel hard pressed to do, then we are supposed to respect that boss mm-hmm. as we were, you know, but, you know, to do mm-hmm. it for Jesus Christ, because that is who we're actually serving. Mm-hmm. You know, and Paul goes on to say that masters are to provide their servants, their slaves with what is right and fair, because they too have a master in heaven. So whether you're in a boss or your employee, you know, there is a biblical way that those relationships should be maintained. And so it's an instruction for both parties. And I imagine, you know, that this quiet quitting, um, you know, is really more of a trend of, like I said, employees having the upper hand uh, because Mm -hmm. of the work industry right now and everybody needing employees. But as a a Christian, we should always be Mm -hmm. willing, you know, within the parameters of the eight hours that were there and there were working to do anything generally that doesn't compromise mm-hmm. our Christian mm-hmm. values, but to do that work. And it's okay to go above and beyond. Again, if they're mm-hmm. asking you to work at home unpaid, that's a whole different story. But yeah. um, I think that we really need to have the mindset when we think about doing our jobs and especially for young people, because girl, I've got six of my, of my seven kids are currently mm-hmm. all, in, well, no, actually, that's not true. A couple of my young adult children don't have jobs, but, but at some point they've had jobs. <laughs> right. But I hear this, you know, I do hear it. it yeah. It's more of a trend of young people versus I would say old people like me in their 40s. Um, right. <laughs> right, you're old. Okay. 
<laughs> but no, this is, I'm glad that you brought this up because surely other people have heard of this quiet quitting as well. So it's great to look at that through a scriptural lens and mm-hmm. honestly, um, uh, really work as though you're working for the Lord. That's all, our mm-hmm. ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea, I've got an extra bonus. We're coming up right here on time, but I don't want this to slip by us. <laughs> and we're not going to give a whole lot of commentary because y'all are already going to know how we feel <laughs> about this. But it's hysterical. <laughs> I, the, the fact that someone had to do a, a, a research study on this, you're going you're gonna to know why. Okay. This, um, it's posted on a couple different places, Daily Mail out of the UK. Um, but what first came to my attention, it was posted on Female First. I don't even know what that website is. I don't, I'm not even sure if it's a legit website, but um, I did verify that this study has been done. Um, okay. <laughs> the headline reads, bad parents spend too much time on smartphones. And we're done. That's it. That's all we need to say. <laughs> That's it. We're good. Uh, so moms and dads who spend too much time on their smartphones are more mm-hmm. likely to be bad parents, a study has claimed. Now, granted, we could define bad in a whole lot of different ways. But again, this might be a podcast on its own. Uh, those, know, right? those dealing with a stressful household often turn to social media to relax. But this in turn only makes them nag and yell more, researchers have found. They questioned, uh, this is the University or Waterloo, who was it? Um, In Canada? Yeah, out of Canada. The University of Waterloo, yeah. Mm -hmm. They questioned 549 adults who had at least two children, ages 5 to 19, on their use of digital media, mental health, and parenting practices. The study revealed that as parents increasingly use social media to retreat from spending time with their family, that's a whole other issue the worse their parenting became. <laughs> I just... <laughs> uh, such negative parenting behavior, such as nagging and yelling, would also be more likely to increase when technology interrupted family interactions, it found. So lead author Jasmine Zhang from the university, there it is, University of Waterloo in Canada, told the Journal for Computers and Human Behavior, quote, all members of the family matter when we try to understand families in a society saturated with technology. So I, she probably had really great intentions. And she, and can you automatically assume that bad, you're a bad parent when you spend too much time on, social, on smartphones? Uh, I think that that would be a hard stretch. However, it does point to the fact that we need to put our phones down. We need to put them down. Yep. Just that statement yep. of, that we're using the phone to retreat from spending time with family. Yep. Y'all. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, y'all know, <laughs> y'all know how I'm going to feel about that. You need to put the phone down. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You need to interact mm-hmm. with your kids and that's just it. There, there's mm-hmm. no more to say about that. So, mm-hmm. 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 so I, you got I, anything? You know, I, oh, <laughs> So many things, so many things, but I'm, I'm, I'm whittling it down to how can we be helpful about this? So, right. Let's say you're a parent, you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, maybe I should put my phone down. Like, okay, let's, let's Kelly, let's brainstorm. Let's give them like three tangible ways to step away from their phone. My first one would be use those settings on your phone to create downtimes mm-hmm. and, and lock your phone. If you have to, I've done it before in the past, especially when I was homeschooling, when the kids were little and they were in like elementary school age 
I would text, like, do you remember this back in the day? Oh, yeah. We would have like, hey, I can text. I am available between like 4 and 8 p.m. at night because that's when, you know, my kids are off playing or whatever. And that's when we would communicate with each other. We respected each other's times when we were unavailable. And then if we wanted to talk, that's when we would talk is in the evening or text in the evening. Like, it's okay to, to, to let your friend groups, your really close friend groups know, hey, man, I am just like really overwhelmed during the day, but I can talk in the evening or even in the middle of the day between these hours. Um, yeah. The best, that's okay. Yeah. The best okay. tip that I've given, especially moms of young ones, so toddlers that are still at home and whatnot, it, th- that's mind numbing because, you know, they can't communicate as well. You're not, you know, you're talking on a childish level, but. So you tend to just be on your phone because you want to engage in adult conversation. But if you really want to be intentional about that, like only respond in batches, like once an hour at the top of every hour, you're going to look at your phone and answer all the text messages that might've come in in the past Mm -hmm. hour. Because otherwise it's just a constant response to this text, put the phone away, pull it back out three minutes later, five minutes later, respond. And that's what your kids see is this constant, constant, constant engagement. So put an alarm on that goes off every hour and answer all of your text messages in batches. Most, all of your friends should be able to wait at least 55 minutes in between responses. So that would be one tangible way I would say that you could also put your phone down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is kind Um, of a backwards way, but I'll tell you, um, since I got an Apple watch, I hate to promote more technology, but I actually found that I can leave my phone behind so much uh more often because I at least will have my watch and I can just quickly look at my watch if it goes off and say, yep, I don't need to respond to that right now. That's not important. Mm -hmm. But if I pull my phone out, then it's like, what did I open my phone for? And I'm looking at email. I'm looking at whatever, you know, what was I even doing? Oh, that's right. I was responding to a text message. So for me, (laughs) it's like walking into the kitchen and like, why am I here again? And then you start, you start eating cookies, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for me, that those have been probably, you know, the best helpful tips that I could offer to put your phone down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another one I did. I set my phone to like, do not disturb. And I'll have like, because you can personalize the message on do not disturb. And I'll say yeah. like, hey, you know, I'm, I have my set for driving, like I'm driving right now. But if it's an emergency, call the house phone or call, you know, my husband or something like that. Um yeah, I'm just, I, you know, my friends know that I am not available 24 um, seven unless, you know, unless you're like a super close friend. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm, I'm available 24 seven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, I use the child, the child, you know, whatever parent control things on my own phone because right. man, mm-hmm. I, y'all, I like, it's hard. It is, if it's so hard for a parent, how how much harder is it for kids? I right. mean, yeah, yeah. We have to set the example. We have to set the example. Yes. I'm not going to say you're a bad parent, especially not a B H A D parent, but definitely something to always be growing in and sanctifying yes. yourself more every day, trying to be a better example, setting um, setting that before your kids as when they do get a phone or if they already have a phone. This is this is the way you should walk in it. You know, that's what we are supposed to do as parents is demonstrate that. So awesome. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in in this um, long, um, not that long. We're an hour in. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) Worldview (laughs) Wednesday podcast. I hope that you 
gleaned some insight, learned how to think biblically a little bit more on some news headlines. Thanks so much. Let us know if we can do anything for you, help you in any way. Email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Until next week, go and be brave. Bye guys.